It is Pentecost Sunday. Welcome here today. How appropriate it is for us to recall the day that the church was empowered to be the church by the Holy Spirit, even as we send these disciples of Jesus Christ out into the world to be the church in all the places that they will go. Pentecost Sunday was originally celebrated. It wasn't really Pentecost Sunday. It was actually the first Pentecost took place during the middle of a Jewish festival called the Festival of Weeks. It was one of the three festivals where Jews who had been dispersed all over the Middle East, all over as far as Greece and north when Jerusalem was conquered, when Israel was conquered, um, these Jews were all to come back to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival of weeks. And so they were present, but they were present as a body of people who spoke many different languages. A problem that we will learn a little later on was resolved by one of the gifts given by the Holy Spirit on that day. But Pentecost is something that we often overlook in our celebration of the Christian calendar. We have big celebrations for Christmas. We lead up to Christmas with Advent. We then go through the season of Lent and Holy Week and Maundy Thursday and Good Friday with the glorious morning of the resurrection, Easter. And somehow 50 days later, which today is, we have lost sight of the fact that this is a really important day, a day that was promised by Jesus Christ. And so today, I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about the Holy Spirit, but this sermon is the first of a series of three where we are going to focus on the Holy Spirit's work in the past, in the present, and in us. Because, you know, we're very comfortable um, when we talk about Jesus and we talk about God, the Father, the Creator. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, sometimes we get a little squeamish, you know. We're scientists, we're enlightened, we know what people didn't know back in those days. And the idea of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, makes us feel like, well, that's something for the Pentecostals who wave their hands every day. And my friends, I'm here to tell you, that is not the case. The Holy Spirit is found in Scripture all the way back to the beginning. In Genesis, we read how God created man out of dust and then breathed into his nostrils to give him life. The Holy Spirit is the breath of life. Through the Israelites leaving of Egypt and being liberated from slavery, we saw that first God spoke to Moses through the fire of a burning bush, and then led Israel in a pillar of flame. So flame is another symbol, as you can see from that video, of Pentecost and of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, after Israel became a nation and then was divided and conquered as a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom and dispersed, God spoke to the prophets and reminded them that the Holy Spirit was not dead. He spoke to the prophet Ezekiel in a story that many of us know as the story of the dry bones. Does that ring a bell? The story of the dry bones is one where God told Ezekiel to look out, out of, across a valley where people had been buried. And he told Ezekiel, prophesy and bring those bones back to life. And he put muscle and skin 
and features on those bones, but they still lay there immobile. And then God said, breathe life into them. And Ezekiel ordered, he prophesied, and the Holy Spirit brought life into those dry bones. A reminder, 600 years before Jesus came, that death does not have the final victory and that life is eternal by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. And then in the New Testament, the incarnation, when we say the Apostles' Creed, what are some of the words we say? Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. We read the story in Luke about how the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she gave birth to a child without ever having been with a human man. At Jesus' baptism, we read about how a dove came down out of the heavens and God's voice was heard saying, this is my son, my beloved son, the dove, a symbol of peace, alighting on Jesus' shoulder, the Holy Spirit's presence. When Jesus left the place where he was baptized and went into the wilderness, the scriptures in Luke 4 tell us, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit after his temptation in the wilderness. And news about him spread throughout the countryside. And when he went to his hometown of Nazareth and preached at the synagogue on that first Sabbath time, what did he say? He read the words from the scroll of Isaiah, which said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. And then we come to today's text from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 4. That amazing morning, 50 days after the resurrection, after Jesus has been with his disciples for 40 days, after he has been ascended, he ascended into heaven, and the disciples wait as he instructed them to, and this is what happened. I'm reading from the NLT translation today. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That power of the Holy Spirit came down and separated into tongues of flames that touched each individual first. Because it is individuals who have been moved by the Holy Spirit who come together as the church to do the word, the work that God has placed before the church. The church is one of those things that is the, where the sum is greater than the parts. But the parts are individuals who were touched by the Holy Spirit. The symbols of that text, the wind, powerful, Breath, the breath of life, fire, it refines us like it refines gold. When gold is burned and the dross burns away, we're left with beautiful, shining element. And that happens to us too. When the Holy Spirit burns away what is not pleasing to God in us, what is in us that's not pleasing, what's left is a child of God and person of worth 
who is willing to serve the Lord and become part of the church's work in the world. So what is the Holy Spirit intended to be for us? Well, Jesus answered that question in words that he spoke to his disciples when they were gathered together just before the Passion Week. This is what he said to them. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you will know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus told us what the Holy Spirit was coming to be for us. He was to be our advocate and is our advocate. When I was a seminary student, I had a professor of worship arts who said to us, don't worry if you stand up in front of the church and you suddenly get tongue-tied and you can't pray. Don't worry if you're home and you're trying to pray to God and the words won't come. Maybe your heart's too broken or you feel too guilty or you're just too tired. Don't worry because the Holy Spirit as your advocate will perfect, perfect your prayers and present them to God with the intention of your heart because your prayers come from your heart and the Holy Spirit is right there in your heart with your prayers. The Holy Spirit is also our counselor, as Bobby mentioned in his prayer. He covered in his prayer the role of the Holy Spirit as our counselor. And Jesus said, what do we need a counselor for? To lead us into truth. We have trouble finding truth on our own as human beings. And when we are led into truth, what we discover is some truths about ourselves that we don't like. And we repent and we turn to Jesus and we say, yes, Lord, forgive me. I accept the work you did for me, Jesus, on the cross. And we experience a moment that sometimes we call conversion. Sometimes we call it justifying grace. Sometimes we call it regeneration. That moment when we are really made new and given new birth. And sometimes we call it new birth. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was asking Jesus about this business of being born again. He said, how can I be born again? I can't jump back into my mother's womb. And this is what Jesus said to him. I read this from John chapter 3. I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. And when we are born again, those marks of new birth... They should sound familiar. The Apostle Paul wrote about them in his chapter called the Love Chapter. They are faith. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to have faith, to believe what we cannot see. We get hope. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be hopeful even when everything feels hopeless and wrong. And then there's that wonderful thing we call love, and I could never preach about love the way Bishop Curry did a couple days ago at that lovely wedding of the royal couple. If you have not, it's all over the internet, if you have not heard Bishop Curry's 
sermon about love. It's about 14 minutes long. I wish I could preach a sermon in 14 minutes like that. It was amazing, and it will fill your heart if you take time to listen to it. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But it's not just love like human beings experience it. It's not love between a husband and wife, eros, or the love that comes between friends, philios. This is agape, godly love that we learn to experience through the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised was that he would give us power. Power to be more than we are on our own. Power to be courageous when we're afraid. Power to be strong when we feel weak. Power to be full when we feel empty. But there are other gifts, and the Apostle Paul wrote about those gifts in several of his letters. He said the Holy Spirit gives us gifts of wisdom, of knowledge, of faith, of healing, of prophecy, of tongues, and of interpretation of tongues. And those gifts that we get from the Holy Spirit get combined with our life's experiences, even the bad ones, to make us powerful witnesses for Jesus Christ and powerful members of a community known as the church. So why did the Holy Spirit come? To be present with us, to be our sustainer, to be our sanctifier as we learn to grow in holiness. First we repent, then we are saved, then we are given new birth, and then we become a little more like Jesus every day until the church is filled with a bunch of little Jesuses who are doing what Jesus did in the world. The Holy Spirit also enlivens the sacraments that we celebrate. Each time we celebrate the sacraments, we hear Pastor Bob say, pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. He says those words because those things, the water, the bread, the juice, are outward symbols of the inward grace that we receive from the Holy Spirit when we celebrate the sacraments. So what does this mean for us today? The Bible stories about the Holy Spirit, the ones, the things you saw in the video that ran, they're powerful, they're spectacular, they're balls of fire, they're burning bushes, they're bones coming to life, they're tongues of fire coming down on disciples. And you say, Pastor Pam, that never happened to me. The only time fire ever touched my head was when I was too close to the grill when I lit it and all it did was burn off my eyebrows. I've never had an experience like that and I'm here to tell you folks, we need to look in less spectacular ways to find the Holy Spirit. We need to call upon the Spirit with the questions and the needs of our heart and if we can't say it right, as I told you before, the Holy Spirit will perfect that. Now experiencing the Holy Spirit in you is a very personal thing. I can't describe for you how Allison experiences the Holy Spirit or how Joel experiences the Holy Spirit or how our graduates have experienced the Holy Spirit. I can only tell you how I experience the Holy Spirit. And I, I will tell you a story. It's a story about seashells and there's a picture of those seashells I'm going to ask them to show. Last summer I moved to the beach. My house in East Lake was way too big for one person. I didn't like yard work. So I moved to the beach, 
And I live in a condo that looks out on the Gulf and it's peaceful and I found a lot of comfort and a lot of healing there. And I began walking on the beach every day and just like a tourist, I looked for shells. Couldn't help it. Never lived on the beach before in all my years in Florida, more than 30 years. And I began to find these little baby conch shells. They're little versions of this. Now, I did not find this on Clearwater Beach. I found this in a tourist shop. But this, this one's perfect. There's no holes in it. But if you look at those, they're broken. The pieces on the upper left are just little pieces of the tip of the shell. And the rest of them have holes of different sizes in them because... When those shells come up on the shore the first time, there's a little creature living inside of them, and it pops its head out, and, bur and it hides when the birds come, and the birds peck those holes in the shells so it can get at the little creature inside. So as I walked the beaches, August, September, October, November, I found a bunch of those shells, and not one time did I find one that was whole. And as I walked along and I looked at those shells, it occurred to me, you know, those are kind of shaped a little bit like a heart. They're like our hearts. Our hearts get holes in them when things happen that we don't expect or that we don't want. Maybe we fail. Maybe we didn't get into the college that was our first choice. Maybe we have a sickness that keeps us from doing things that we want to do. Maybe we have a broken relationship with someone we love, a child, a spouse, a parent. Maybe someone we love has left us. There are people in this room today who I know struggle through the loss of children and grandchildren, struggle with the loss of a parent or a grandparent, struggle with the loss of a spouse. And those kind of losses make holes in our heart, but I'm here to tell you, just like the sizes of the holes in those shells get smaller and smaller, that if in those times when your heart is filled with holes and is broken beyond repair, you will turn to the Lord. The Lord will heal your heart and fill those holes. You know, Christmas time came this year and everyone had been saying to me, you know, Christmas is really going to be kind of terrible for you this year because, you know, Bruce isn't going to be here. For those of you who don't know me, Bruce was my husband. He died last year. Don't tell people that. Christmas is not terrible. It can be a little bit bittersweet and it can hurt, but I will tell you my Christmas this year was not terrible because I spent Christmas Eve here with you. Christmas morning I got up and I opened a few gifts that my children had sent me. That was a little weird, doing that alone. So I went out to the beach and I walked along and I started to pray and I said, you know God, Today was supposed to be terrible, and it's not. I feel very peaceful. I feel content. But I do have a question I need to ask you about. You know, God, 2017 was supposed to be a year when I studied. If you ever think that you're done studying because you graduated, forget it. You're never done. I'll just let you know that right now. I was supposed to read lots of books so that I could prepare my paperwork for ordination in 2018. This is my year that I'm supposed to submit my application in the fall. And I said, but I lost all of 2017 and I didn't read what I was supposed to read and I didn't experience everything I was supposed to and I don't feel ready to do that paperwork. God, I just don't know if I should try to do that in 2018 or if I should wait. Maybe I should wait a year or two. 
And what I'm, I don't know the answer, God, so you know what? I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait until you let me know that my heart is healed enough and that you think I'm ready to do my paperwork for ordination. Well, as I was praying this prayer, I must have closed my eyes and the tide had turned and was coming in and suddenly my feet on December 25th were really cold because a wave came up over my sneakers. And as that wave receded, I looked down, there were nine shells within three or four feet of me and every one of them was perfect and whole. Now, if you are a biologist or a marine scientist, you might look at me and say, look, come on, let's not get all emotional here, Pastor Pam. That was the tides. The tide turned, and shells got washed up on the beach, and the birds hadn't had time to open them up yet. So let's not turn it into the Holy Spirit. And to you I say, baloney. The Holy Spirit comes to us in ways that aren't balls of fire. The Holy Spirit comes to us with a quiet voice. The Holy Spirit came to me in a seashell on the beach, and I picked one of those up, and you know there are little varmints in those things. And this little thing popped its little head out and looked at me, and I knew that day I was not going to have a shell to complete my collection because no little creature was going to die at my hand that day. And I picked up every one of those shells, and I threw them as far as I could out into the gulf. And I don't think God is going to answer a question for me again any more clearly than God answered the question that morning. But you have to ask the question. You have to ask the Spirit to help you find the answers to the holes that are in your heart. I got my answer that day. And I'm happy to tell you, while I'm not done yet, 50 out of 80 pages are complete. Okay? Friends, the point is, the Holy Spirit isn't some ancient thing, some ancient being for the unenlightened. The Holy Spirit is for you and for me today in a broken world where bad things still happen to kids, bad things still happen to adults, sicknesses still engulf people. We worry over all the things that happen in the world the Holy Spirit knows there are holes in our heart in 2018, just as sure as there were holes in people's hearts when they thought Jesus was gone and his legacy was dead. 